Go Loud presents the Talking Bollocks podcast. Boom, here we are, episode 34, Talking Bollocks Podcast. It's me, CLB. It's me, Paddy Flower. And today we're joined by... Oh, Nicola Talent. <laughs> Wake up there, Nicola. <laughs> no, I was just introduced myself. Yeah, yeah well, okay. of course, you're a big girl now. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know how we managed to pull this one off. My um, nerves are gone, shit now, yeah? Yeah, so <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I'm at the phone in the mic. I don't even know what to say. Um, How's things, Nicola? We'll start with that. Excellent. Really good. And yeah. yourselves? Yeah. I'm alright. I'm a bit bad. nervous now, yeah. I'll let you know when uh, I okay. settle down. My heart rate comes back down Should below. Should I be nervous now as well? Yeah. Because there's two of you and one of me and you're at one end of the table and I'm at the other. 100% so, yeah. you're yeah. getting stunned. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, parents, kick us off. Then. Kick us off. Right, before I kick us off, fresh cut off the boys at 400. Fresh t-shirt, 400. Based in Cabo. What do you think of that for the haircut? Excellent. Don't be flirting, Nicola. Right. <laughs> jumping into the zingers from last week, yeah? Nicola, do you wear socks with sliders? I don't wear sliders. You don't wear sliders? Do you no. call them flip-flops or sliders? Flip-flops. Oh, I nailed that <laughs> off that bat. Do you call it a dressing gown or a gaff coat? Or a house coat? Oh, a dressing gown. Yeah, do you call it a cinema of the pictures? She definitely calls it a cinema. cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you and call you, it call it, you call it curbs as well, don't you? Oh, definitely curbs. Yeah, yeah see. Why, Sorry there about another word for that? What do you mean another word? There's only one word for it <laughs> and it's pats. Pats? Yeah. yeah. Never heard that. Yeah. Right. All right, moving so, on. Socks with sliders. People. Oh, why, why do I have yes and no down? The aware socks with sliders, yes, 55% yeah. of the people, no, 45% of the people, yeah? Do you know Calippo Ice Pops? Yeah. Yeah, what would you rather, the orange one or the cola one? The cola. Oh, love <laughs> that, yeah? <laughs> uh, but 69% of the people said the orange Calippo, 31% of the people. And that right, orange beats cola all night. Ah, got off me back. And then here we are, yeah, this is a tricky so one for you, know, yeah? So do you know who Marty Guilfoyle is? No. Right, he's probably the most, <laughs> the most handsome man in the building. Shout out to Marty. He, uh, he's a DJ in this building as well. Good friend of the podcast now. But we had him on last week. And we were talking about Calippos. And okay. he said, go on, tell him what he said. He said, what you should do with your Calippo is put it in the microwave for 10 seconds. Yeah. And then have it. You should write a piece about him, Nicola. Oh my God, that's yes. And that criminal, that isn't is it? Foul. That is foul. That is an article in the Sunday foul. world without yeah. it. I don't yeah. even know how yeah. he still has a job. Ugh. I'd, I'd want him we want Marty Giffle cancelled no money messing cut that <laughs> <laughs> but would you put a clip on the microwave yet or no absolutely not love that in yeah. a million years yeah love that Nicholas she's dead what's right. the percentage uh? four percent of people get you what that was Marty Guilfoyle off different accounts <laughs> but do you know what someone said him smart. and his family probably yeah mm. do you know smart take her out of the uh, freezer and just run it under the hot tap yeah well that makes a bit of sense doesn't as well it? doesn't it 10 seconds under the hot tap instead of putting or in the microwave. Or else buy a drink. Yeah, that as well, Nicola. <laughs> Sorry about that, yeah. Well, there you are now, Marty. You'd want to grow up. Yeah, that's a fact. Roy, zingers for this, this week. I'll get mine out of the way first because yeah. <sighs> Calvin supposedly has a lately out there, yeah? But my out for this week is... What is it? Oh, yeah. Do you call it socks or stockings? Because me and Calvin got a bit of stick off of saying yeah. stockings the last few weeks. And we call them stockings. Call socks, stockings. But stockings are, stockings not the things your granny used to wear pulled up over their knee that were the colour of skin. Are they not tight? Skin. No, they're only tights when they go all the way up. I think yeah. stockings. And what you call them when, you, when they come down? 
Yeah, go toy him. <laughs> stockings stop, don't they? Is that what they are? Yeah, that's yeah. what they are. They're definitely not socks. Like Nicholas at the drop the bird of knowledge on his dash. What do we do with that? Yoke now. But Christmas stockings. I'm confused. Is Christmas that, stockings. Yeah, that's just like a big. S- yeah, they're definitely not nylon. Nylons is what's. Yeah, but like the, a Christmas stocking looks like Men the ones that you put stockings, your feet. Do they? Stockings Most like socks. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Socks, socks. We definitely. call them stockings. Well, we're good with socks. Socks. Really. Right, right, well, we, we, we lost the question. We Let's just agree to disagree, Nicola. You, okay. you call us socks, we call us suckings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's my zinger for the week. Yeah. Nicola, have you got a zinger oh with you, by the way? No, don't move on. Right, here's my one. So, <laughs> I come up with my one last week and I was that anxious about it because it, it really does play on my mind and it keeps me up at night that I couldn't say it last week. So I said, right, I'll hold it for next week. <laughs> Shit. Right, so if I give you a Rubik's Cube, right, yeah. would you take a year in prison? Or would you take the amount of time it takes you to solve the Rubik's Cube in, pr- in prison? So you have a Rubik's Cube and you get sent to prison. You can either do one year and you're out, or the deal is you get out when you solve the Rubik's Cube. I would do the Rubik's Cube. Fuck that, no, I can't, Nicola. Because yeah. I do think, like, imagine you couldn't get it and you're fucking up and all. I'm getting fucking sweaty pants well, and all yeah. talking about this. I know what you're saying, My nerves are gone. Would you not back yourself in 12 months every day? You have nothing else to do. You're in four walls. Every single day know. at that Ruby Skill, but you back yourself, no? Have you ever tried a Ruby Skill? Oh, you have, and uh, yeah. <laughs> See what I mean? They're, they're not easy, like you, you can know? also take them apart. No, you're not allowed to do that. No, you're not allowed to do no, that. You never said that. You never no. said that. You have to solve the Ruby Skill. Okay, well, I, I probably, yeah. You'd that. back yourself? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't I know. I think I did I it once, know, from memory. But what have you, what have you solved them for five days? That's what you know, I'm yeah. But what if it was five years? Year. Yeah. I mean, nerves are gone. That's some fucking sweat, Nick. Actually, oh, someone I want to shout out, uh, our good friend Connor, who used to edit the podcast for us, he can solve a Rubik's Cube in 30 seconds. No, he can't. I've seen him do it. On, on my man's life, he can solve a Rubik's Cube in 30 seconds. Can't shout out to Connor. Uh, I'll get him to send us a video. No, that's probably a bit stupid because then you won't believe it. But I've seen him do it. In 30 seconds, he solved the Rubik's Cube. He's the only person I've ever seen do that. Yeah, that yeah. is lethal. Yeah, so he be in and out. Yeah, I'll take the Rubik's Cube. Be in and out the Nick in 30 seconds. Yeah, but, but I still don't know what I pick. So uh, you, you take the years. No, you? I think you'd eventually get it. You'd How long do you think it take it to get it? Well, it'd be in the cell, presumably. Sweet, 11 months, else, three weeks, doing nothing else. six days. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, no, I think you'd, ba- you'd work it out. Yeah, I'd, I'd back myself as well. I yeah, wouldn't I work know. it out in the outside world because I wouldn't have time, but I definitely would. I don't know. I think so. Um, absolutely. Like absolutely. Like there's, a method, there's a method to doing them. So, you know, the middle square on the Ruby's cube, if that's blue, then that whole side should be blue. I heard that before, yeah. It doesn't yeah. make it any easier to solve. Well, it kind of does because you know quite well if all the bleeding squares are red on the outside and the one in the middle have is blue. Have you ever done a Ruby's cube? I've tried it, I haven't done it. Well, then, yeah. it isn't that easy, even though you know that. It makes it easier, I said, you dope you. Yeah, but you still haven't done it. That's oh, no. why I said it doesn't make it. I'll do, yeah, I'll, I'll do, I'll do a stretch. I'm bringing the Rubik's Cube in next week, yeah, boys. Yeah, just show you now. Yeah. Nicola, have you got a singer with you yet? Keep you steady. Yeah, I would. I need that, Actually, don't I? that's what you need, a Rubik's Cube. Mm, there, you no. need to play in clatter. Calvin just said there off camera that he should be getting children's allowance for me. Yeah, I have two kids. One of them is 24. Yeah. Fuck But have you got a singer with you? I don't know, Aldi or Little. Oh, Nicola, you're too posh to be shopping in either of them. I, yeah, Marks and Spencer's for you. Yeah. Little Aldi, I'm a great shopper in both. Yeah. <laughs> what is the difference, though? That's what you have to ask, nothing. Mm, well, I don't know. I, I do hear people saying, oh, no, the ones in Little are better than that. And I'm like, oh, come here, they're all the same, aren't you? Yeah, the Little Bakery is what, though. 
Do you yeah. get the croissant out a little? Whopper. Are they nice? Whopper, mate. Yeah. Fresh every day, that made, yeah. Really? Yeah. Fresh. Well, that's all the zingers boxed off, Calvin. So I'll have to get my head around that zinger thing. You obviously need to get into the mode. You're going to be on the way home late, aren't you? I will, yeah. Just give us a ring. I will. And let us know what the story is. Ring Terrence, yeah. Three o'clock in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Oi, Lance, I don't be worrying, neither. (laughs) (laughs) Don't threaten me with a good time. Boy, yeah, yeah. something that we've been asked to touch on, and uh, I don't even know how to get into this now, to be honest with you, because there is, it's a weird one because it's been it, it affects us every few years and it shouldn't and if you know someone who's been affected by you know too many people um recent over the weekend there uh, we lost another life on the road um on a scrambler yeah a motorbike and we've just been asked to touch on it that local lads you need to be more careful on the bikes Um, always wear a helmet don't be acting the bollocks there's no need to be showing off and now i get it going out on the bikes is little but doing it in the proper environment stay off the roads um like I said, I know too many people already. If you know one person that lost a life over this, you know too many people that's lost a life over this. Mm. And it's always young people as well. So, like I said, I don't even know how to get into it, yeah. but, like, yeah, turning families apart, yeah, like, it's, Just I don't be know. careful on the road, boys. That's don't be it. on the road on the bikes. Yeah, yeah. They're not made for the road. Don't be on, on the road the on the bikes, yeah. boys, honestly. Mm. Um, but, yeah. That's all to say on that, isn't it? Just mm. be careful, boys, yeah. Right. That's everything. We're going to jump straight in this week because our nerves are gone. Mm. Two worlds collide. Yeah, That's all three of us, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> right, Nicola, what's your name? Where'd you come from? Bring so it's blind date, Nicola. It's like blind date. Silla Black sitting over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nicola Talent, um, I come from, guess where, South County. It's definitely the show side <laughs> yeah. in any way. Mm. And um, I'm a crime journalist. So I work for the Sunday World. Sorry to hear. Mm. And um, I podcast myself, as we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Bitter rivals, I don't Yeah, think. well, I just want to throw it out there that you started your podcast the same time as we yeah. started our podcast. Yeah. How long did it take you to get the number one, Nicola? <laughs> I'll just leave that there. That's a Not hefty hell took off the back. Um, <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, that's mad. I didn't realize that because it's so, it's so, it's really not long. No, no, it's you not. Know? Oh, and we're, yes. just, we're winging this, Nicola. I don't know yeah, who I am. Well, don't tell the boys. We all winging yeah. them, but um, yeah, there just seems to be a huge interest in them, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. And the new way, it's the way forward, Nicola. It's absolutely, it's funny. Like when you start by introducing myself or whatever as a crime journalist, it is actually the new journalism. Mm. It is yeah. the future journalism audio in a huge way mm. and storytelling on audio and it's a fantastic medium I know you love looking at yourself there in the camera but I'm not I, even I looking for it give me chef a little gander again <laughs> no bet that I much. don't like the cameras too much um, but I love the audio I just think it's the the effects that you can you know you can just well firstly people are on the move and so and they're you know they just don't have time to sit down sometimes and, and read newspapers so you know they're out in their bikes or they're walking or doing whatever they're doing. And you can really gain a lot of knowledge from even a 20 yeah. minute podcast. I think they're great. And obviously you choose what you want to listen to. Yeah. Um, so yeah. just on the front page of the Sunday world. You have no. an option, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, so switch off. Yeah, from South County, Dublin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was it like growing up? Yeah, well, I mean, like it was good for me. It was good for me. I finished school. Um, I had a very stable home. Um, I 
sort of had lots of choices, but wanted to do journalism for some reason. I don't really know. wasn't in the family. I just knew from an early age that's what I wanted to do. And I, when I left, sorry, I'm 47, right? <laughs> so it's a long, long time ago. But You're um, only a pup. When I left, there was only one course you could do journalism in 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 Dublin uh, or in Ireland, really. And um, we did two years, and you got a job. They were sort of they were all waiting for you to come out of the college every year to give you a job. So it was. I mean, when you think of that now, what course does anybody do that they get a guaranteed job? Okay, you got well, yeah. <laughs> so where the true. money is, yeah, everybody got on it. Yeah, hindsight, <laughs> but um, so. You know, you started started working kind of on like it's a trade journalism. I mean, nowadays everyone's doing degrees and masters and all the rest of it. But it's actually a trade. It's at its most basic. So you kind of do shift work, and you're you know when you're starting off, you're kind of you'll take anything. You know what I mean? You'd you'd work late at night. You'd go anywhere. You'd do anything, and you kind of need a second job to keep you going. Mm. I've worked in a restaurant as well. I'm pretty bad at that, but. Um, I probably earned more at that for about two years until I kind of got established. So, um, yeah, it's um, that's kind of where, where I came out of. But um, I've nothing I don't think very interesting to tell you about growing up because um, it's what we kind of do. We're all, yeah. guess, you know what I mean? We kind of strip back the label of who they are. Mm. It makes them kind of humanizes them more. I'm not sure what I can tell you without I don't want to sound it was yeah. just there was it was. Like my 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 father worked all all the way through, and we would have been affluent enough without yeah. being overly. He would have come from nothing, and my mother came from nothing, and I think they would have had. He had this sort of absolutely instilled in both myself and my brother. I think that everybody was equal. Yeah, and my mother would have been somebody. She was very charitable, so yeah. um, that was there growing up very much so. And I think it's something that I can recognize now as I'm older. I don't think you recognize where you come out of for a long time until you sort of start navel gazing in your 40s. And I think then you really see what made you. Yeah. Mm. So you said you, you left college, you walked around a journalism job. Yeah. yeah. Was that in crime? That wasn't, but it wasn't very long until I went into crime. So it was kind of like I was doing everything. I was doing all the, the sort of um, news stories of the day. But when I would have been about 22, maybe thereabouts, I started working for the Daily Mirror in Ireland. Yeah. So they were a big UK newspaper. And there was about two of us, three of us here in a Dublin office, which meant we had to do everything. We had to do all the big stories of the day. There was none of this rewriting press releases. It was a real baptism of fire, actually. It was brilliant. Um, and it was at the time that John Gilligan was being brought back from the UK. He'd, his his gang had been um, seen as responsible for murdering Veronica Guerin and there'd been a huge kind of troll across Europe for them. And he was brought back and other members of the gang were put before the Special Criminal Court, which was the first time that was used for gangland crime. It had been set up and was always used for subversives and IRA and everything. So um, it was down in Green Street and there was two witnesses, Supergrass as they were called, who had been in the gang and who'd sort of turned Turk and were going to give evidence. So their lives were hugely at risk and they would have to come every day in armed guards and there was snipers on the roof of the building and, 
you know, the whole of the city streets were closed off for these trials and be going in and your bag would be searched like you're going into an airport. Um, and I have to say, I just went, oh, I really like this is what I want to do. I loved it. Um, not obviously the evidence or all the rest of it, but just the whole John Dillingham wasn't actually convicted of that, though, wasn't he not? No, no, he was convicted on, on drug offences. Yeah, and I seen something with you then. Yeah. So he was uh, convicted on drug offences mm. and he done, what, 18 years, yeah. 17 years? Yeah. He got served 28 years, though, and did 17 or 18 of them. Yeah. That's something I actually wanted to ask you, something mm. that, because I've seen it in the past and I wondered about it and I said, if I got the opportunity, I would ask you. So when he got out, you were outside Portley's prison, mm. right? And... You're talking about how he has a smile on his face leaving and how it's a sad day for Ireland and things like that. What do you mean by that? I suppose with John Gilligan, while, say, I wouldn't have actually known Veronica Gearan, but she would have been a colleague as such because she was a journalist. And with John Gilligan, journalists feel a little bit, you know, you're not supposed to take anything personally and you're supposed to be very professional all the time. But with him, it's just the fact that he came after one of us you know and i think that so what do you think would have been justifiable for like, the for, for, the for john gilligan if you don't whatever. think 18 years well i mean look he served his time he got out mm. and yeah because you know, i remember his release sort of scratching my head and going 18 yeah like for mm. drug offenses mm. there's murderers down this it was a long sentence heavy old yeah. sentence and then when i was yeah. when i seen your interview i was sort of like like, do you believe in rehabilitation? Like, do you believe, like, people can change, especially over 18 years? Like, so much changes, like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I remember looking at that going, jeez. And then there was something else. It was like, uh, you just had reporters following him around mm. and going to a house. Probably was like, I'd be fucking, I'd be angry as well. Yeah, you do you not think I mean? that's yeah, antagonizing? Yeah, no, he wasn't, he wasn't angry at all. He played up to it, to be honest with you. He totally mm. played up to the media. He came out and uh, had a little giggle and he, posted photographs himself, drinking pints and all the rest of it. But, you know, in hindsight, yeah, we probably shouldn't have maybe yeah. done is, it that way. Is that but not just... and trying to provoke somebody for a reaction then, kind of? Well, I mean, sometimes you do have to provoke people for a reaction. Yeah, sometimes like, you do have to. This is someone who's had to serve in 18 years mm. in prison. You're not thinking like, right, he's had to serve in his time now. Let's see what he does. Let him live his life rather than follow him and try and provoke him. Because he could easily snap at somebody, mm. throw a punch at someone, and then he's getting done on assault, he's going back inside. Like, that, it doesn't really, it doesn't give someone a chance to move on. So, like, just touching on what Taryn said, do you, do you believe in rehabilitation through prison? I do, I do absolutely believe in rehabilitation. John Gilligan, though, was somebody who never showed any remorse for, and I don't want to get stuck on him, to be honest with you. Yeah, neither do um, we, but... I'm like, sure, but, like... It's just a good example of that. He was somebody who never showed remorse, and I think what everybody... There was a lot of sort of unanswered questions there, and I think the reason that journalists were trying to get at him was to ask him some of those questions, but he sort of played a little bit of a game, and he... Well, he was we're never going to get an answer. So asking is just no, provoking. No, sometimes you do. Sometimes you do. You never actually know until you ask is the you point. Mm. Now, there's many is an uncomfortable thing you have to do as a journalist. Like you, mm. you can't you can't actually be overly polite and overly givish about everybody should be allowed to walk on. Nobody should be allowed. Nobody should be questioned. Nobody should be. You do have to do uncomfortable things. And sometimes you are told to F off. I would be told well, that. I think rightly so. <laughs> but I think rightly so though, Nicola. Like if someone, if I done something and I'm trying to move on my life and someone's following me asking questions. Yeah. Like you can't tell the fuck off. That'll be the, 
Yeah. The, the bare minimum <laughs> I'd be doing now, to be honest with you. And But some people <clears throat> will want to talk and they will sit down and they will give interviews. And that's really the nature of journalism. You mm. don't actually know until you ask. Now, there's ways of asking, especially with, you know, families of victims of crime or that yeah, sort of and thing. Be very gentle with that. Something that we want to mm. talk about as well. So what's it called? Door, door, door stepping. Door stepping. Yeah. Like, that doesn't really on. happen anymore, to be honest with you. I no. Mean, very rarely, no. That is sort of a thing of the past. I never liked doing that. Can you just clear up what that is for people who are not yeah. familiar with it? So that would be when you, it's called door stepping. So it's, well, door stepping is like a, a number of things. Door stepping could be when you approach somebody you want a reaction from, that you want a comment from. And you will approach them when they're not expecting you. So they haven't time to send a PR person out or to write a statement or something like that. So you could doorstep a politician or, mm, you know, yeah. whoever. But I think that comes with the territory of a politician. You should be willing and ready for yeah. this kind of thing with the media. But Well, depending on what they've done, they're not always <coughs> well, willing true, and ready, you know. And actually, the more, the more, the likes of a politician, they will have staff to write a statement and to, you know, but, you know, if you if you come to them officially, sometimes they will you'll be told that you can't go. He's not going to go here. He's not going to go there. Yeah. So sometimes it's important to catch them off guard. Yeah. But that comes like they're prepared for that. You know, I'm in the limelight. I'll have a PR team ready to rock. But yeah. what we're talking about is, you know, somebody could be shot. And then mm. like you're going to the mother's house then looking for a statement off the man. Mm. I know. Like, I don't personally do that. Mm. Um, But and I think it is far less and less done. I, so, yeah. I personally, it, that's the height of disrespect. In my I eyes. personally think that there's a way of 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 opening the door if somebody does want to talk to the media because some people do, and some people want to appeal for calm or whatever. If something like that happens, I think something nearly as old fashioned as writing a letter is a bit more respectful. Or you speak mm. to somebody else. You'd often go maybe to the priest, yeah. or you'd go to a guard liaison officer, and you'd just say. If they want to talk, I'm here and here's my number. But well, that's why like, we would have been heavily critical of you in the past in this podcast. Mm. You probably already know. And maybe we made it personal, not mean it, there, but mm. we mean crime journalists in general because mm. of things like that. Like, like a crime journalist first talk when someone gets shot is doorstepping, is headlines, is media. Mm. Where when I hear someone get shot, I don't give a fuck what they do. Unless you're a rapist or something like that, I don't even know what allowed to say that. But anyways, unless it's someone like that, they have to go. I don't believe in rehabilitation for them type of people. Mm. But someone gets shot in the streets. I think straight away, like, like that's someone's it's brother. It's a loss of life. Someone's yeah. son, you someone's know? uncle, mm. someone's dad. At the main murdered. Like, and it's a pity. Like, life is precious. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you only get one chance at it. And then when I think like that, like, I automatically feel sorry for the family. Straight away, no matter what they did. Like, it's usually drug, violent crime, something like that. You know what I mean? And I straight away think of the family. But I know crime journalists. Yeah. Go media doorstepping mm. things like that, and that's where we'd be heavily critical yeah. of journalists because, like, if, if someone yeah. a, a, a life has been taken, a community has mourned, and a family is torn apart, mm. and then you have a crime journalist knocking on the door to get a story. Mm. Like, where's the where's the where's the sympathy there? Well, a few things. I don't mind if you have had been having a go at me because I know sometimes people think crime journalism, Nicola Talent, and that's it. Well, and that's because you're at the top of the game. Yeah, yeah. So it goes that, for a few you know, years. That's fine. But um, 
We so, just don't know the rest of their names. Know, that's I, all. And I, worry about, I, I <laughs> no, but like, back. I know, but yeah. Now look, crime journalists and journalists. Yeah. Like, and your know, name I, has I been know mentioned. I'm synonymous with crime journalism, yeah. and sometimes people will go, "Oh, you know that story," and I've had nothing to do with it. I would never yeah. have written about it. Yeah. I'd never have. So just, you know, that's fine. But um, as regards when there is a murder on the streets, I mean, that is something that is a very important news story when that happens. I th- and do you not think there's a way of going about it? Though? Well, I mean, I do think there's a way of going about it. And most of the time, you know, and most of the crime journalists will try. I mean, there's very few of them that will be going knocking on doors, usually in, in um, you know, especially if you have, if you're talking gangland murder. There's very few journalists will go knock on a door, bang down a door yeah, but for a reaction. What you're saying there. Some like... obviously still do, but if somebody's murdered on the streets... Okay, and we have so many examples and we're not going to name anybody or go into examples. But it is a reflection of the society and what is going on within organized crime. And organized crime is growing and growing and growing over my career. It's frightening to me when I look at it, when I look at Ireland, where Ireland is sitting at the moment. I think it's frightening what's coming at us and what we're facing in the future, because this is a balloon and it is nowhere near popping. It's just growing and growing. And I think that reporting on it, debating it, discussing it, educating people on it, on what is actually going on and why there's somebody lying dead with a bullet in them and who they are. And yes, their sons, their fathers, they're loved. They're all those things. But we can't walk away and not report on of it. Of course, they're the benefits of it. But like... My first thought, as I said, would be to think of the family where you, mm. you and other journalists wouldn't. So there's obviously benefits to you educating people that this what can happen if you get involved in that game. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, and then you say you do it to educate people on it, but do you not think in how you word a certain article, it kind of paints a different perspective and a different picture of the person? So like one thing I have a real problem with is, mm. say Terence, so it'd be like 24-year-old man, uh, Shot dead in Dublin, known to Gardy. Like that, I don't know, what would you call I've that? Adjective, it. known to Gardy. Like, I'm known to Gardy. I haven't got a conviction though. I'm I'm not a criminal, yeah. but I'm still known to Gardy because I've had altercations with them. So if I walk out here and I get shot, that headline could be printed and it will be sustainable because mm. I mean, I'm technically known to Gardy. But from somebody who's, I don't know, someone in Kerry reading the headline, they just look and say, oh, there's another criminal off the street. Yeah. I have to say, by and large, um, and speaking for myself and probably everybody else within my area of it. Well, there is, there is we, a tagline you've used. Well, yeah, we would be very careful, like when we're reporting. And I think by and large, I think we don't get it right 100% of the time. But I think most of the time we try and get it right. And if something like that known to Gardy, I know, for example, if I filed a piece about that, the lawyers would say to me, has he convictions or had he convictions or whatever? So you don't, you don't, we, we do actually work under these very strict codes of conduct, which we've all signed up to, as in the newspaper, the people who own the business sign up to. And you yourself as a journalist have to work under a code of conduct. Yeah. There's places for people to complain about us. There's the press ombudsman. Um, there's the press council. They can write and complain. They can go down to the courts mm. and they can sue you if you get something wrong. And in this country... You have to be very, very careful to get something right because 
there is a compensation culture that has fed into that defamation and libel, yeah. as mm. your producers are warning you guys about now. You're learning a little bit about it. Well, we have to make the lads so, earn that money somehow, don't we? And I think when you're, um, you know, reporting on crime, you actually have to be so careful because you're you're, yeah, you're making see. the most serious allegations about people. Yeah, where, where I'd be thinking about that is like, you're saying you make sure you do a backup and you make mm. sure that they have got convictions and things like that. But where I don't like to see that is in cases of mistaken identity. Yeah. Because mm. that still happens. Like, oh, like I know of a case where, I, I don't even want to say, but mm. someone got shot. And it was and, mistaken identity. And it was mistaken identity and they knew that. And it was it, it was mentioned in it, but it still said man is age known to guard And I'm like, why do you have yeah. to mention the known to guard it, it kind of makes the, the killing justified then from the outside. People yeah. like, as I said, like people looked at and say another criminal off the street. And there was another case, um, a, a man was shot with mistaken identity in an area that's, I don't know, a deprived area. Mm. And some of the comments under it were like mistaken identity, uh, people like his family devastated this, that, and the other. And someone goes, well, what was he doing there in the first place then? And I was reading that and I'm like, oh my God, the first thing you say is, it says mistaken identity in the headline. The first thing you can think of is, well, he shouldn't have been there. Well, that's a comment put in by somebody who read yeah, the story. Yeah. So the so follow-on to this, the follow-on sure I want to put in there. I'm sure you can see your own Yeah, is I feel comments. like the grammar you use mm. kind of dehumanizes the person. So, mm. you know, you use words like blasted mm. and stuff like that. And you're like, is it dehumanizing the victim of this crime? I you don't like that word myself, I have to say, blasted. I never liked that word. You still um, use it, though. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think I do, actually. Um I don't write that word like I'm saying it. I'm not trying to sting you here. I would have done it. Perhaps it's used in a headline. Maybe, yeah. But so a journalist doesn't write the headlines. Right. And doesn't write the bits around, doesn't write the uh the we're getting into a little bit of technicalities here, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. So journalists, <laughs> so what a journalist does, I suppose, is writes the basic story. And right. then there's an entire team that will write up headlines or will write, you know, this, that and the other. Now you can choose to not put certain language in. I do have particular words I don't like and I don't choose. And would you not, can you not go to whoever is doing the headline and say, saying blasted, if you personally don't like that and you're not writing an article and they're picking the headline, they say blasted, would you not pull them Well, if I it? didn't like a headline on something I'd written, I would, yeah. I yeah. would, but I mean, most of the time, um, like I don't write a huge amount um, mm. because I work for a Sunday paper. Yeah. And like we have actually, believe it or not, only gone online recently. So that's a big monster. Yeah, completely. Uh, yeah. But um, so, you know, I would, because it's a Sunday newspaper, I'm not on that quick turnaround beat. Mm. I'm usually not covering actual murders when they happen. I'm kind of covering the bigger picture around what's happened. Right. So I write about the organized crime groups. I write about a lot of what's happening in Spain towards Dubai, other places like that, what's going on around them. Um, so maybe I might write, if I got if I did an interview with somebody close to a victim, I would write something like that. But it's not kind of that day-to-day -day beat stuff, mm. which is covered by very quickly. And the internet, the websites are a monster. Mm. They have an insatiable appetite for stories. It's but unbelievable. Do you not think that's because it's low-hanging fruit? It's so easy to report on. It's cheap. It's actually it's really hard to report on compared I, to what the other stuff that's coming in, all the celebrity stuff and all that. Crime is the hardest. And you're also probably have to be the most correct because yeah, of... 
you said a few minutes ago that uh, you aren't correct 100% of the time. Mm. Oh, but yeah. In that's... my opinion, there's no room for error in terms yeah. of how, how, how sensitive it is. I find, like, my one of my main problems with crime journalists would be when you post so-and-so allegedly yeah. doing mm. this or this, because I know of a case mm. where a notorious figure got shot mm. and five different people were put in the paper at different stages now. But you're putting is rumor to have been there, is rumor to have done this, mm. allegedly done this. And I'm like, there's no room for error. And that's not an error because mm. you say it's rumored or is allegedly. So yeah. that's crime journalists covered. So mm. you always can't get in trouble for and that. And a follow on from that, we also know of another case of someone who was caught with a firearm mm-hmm. in a certain area. And then the paper then put what figures live in that area. But the area now, it's the size of a county. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, they were caught on the way to kill this person. When it was no, it was false, it was no such thing. The person actually had to come out and address it. Mm. But that then puts that person in danger by saying, oh, you were actually on the way to shoot me away. Well, I'm going to get you first. Do you not think it's, there's like literally no room for error because it's so sensitive, oh, it's so delicate. I do think there's no room for error, but like human beings make mistakes sometimes. I know they do, sometimes. but do you not think your mistake would lead to more bloodshed? I think if you made a mistake, you, you correct it as quickly as you can. And that is what we do. Mm. If you make a mistake, it's proven to be wrong. You correct it as quickly as you can and you try. Sometimes actually, you know, you sometimes are better off not doing that because, and it's up to the person. If you've got something wrong, it's up to the person whether you do that, but you're sort of highlighting it again. But yeah. it's well, up to them. But It's very hard for that person to come out and defend themselves. So like if I was caught with the gun, I'm not going to mm. come out and say, actually, I wasn't going to shoot that person. I was going here with the gun to do this for that person. They're not going to come out and, and incriminate yeah. themselves. So it, they're kind of covered that way. I have to say, talking for myself and talking for the Sunday world, we have always had an open door. If we've got something wrong, you, whatever way you need to communicate with us, if we have got something wrong, we'll correct it. And that's yeah. how we operate. And we try our hardest not to get something wrong in the first place. And we have layers and layers of, like if I write a story, it goes in and it's, it is read, it is legal, it goes through subs, it goes through about 12 pairs of eyes before it is, it is published. Mm. So it's really unfortunate if there's a small error in it, but there can sometimes. Yeah. Well, that's like happen. we said, we sort of nearly made a personal yeah. before by mentioning your name when mm. that wasn't the intention. The intention is crime journalists in general, mm. and you're at the top of the game basically. So you just throw your name out there, you know. Well, <laughs> we have got we have got examples, Nicola, yeah. that yeah. we have got chips on our shoulder about yeah. with you personally, where you have yeah. wrote this piece. Where I was okay. going towards. Yeah. 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 Would be what would your perception be of the inner city? What is my perception of the yeah, inner city? Yeah. Um, Look, what, when you think of the inner city, what do you think of? What, what? I think of where I work. Right. I think of a very loud, noisy place. Yeah. Um, with loud, noisy people who are often very funny. Thanks for that, Nicola. I'll take that one. Um, and um, that's what I think of it. I mean, I, I, I in a way... I've worked in there for 10 years, so I feel slightly part of it. Yeah. You know, I walk up the street and I get, you know, sometimes people are very, very amusing. Sometimes they're not so. Mm. Um, you know, I know a lot of the street traders going up and down. I know I know plenty of people. From yeah. It. So I don't have any, I don't have a bad feeling about it, if that's what you mean. In terms of crime and drugs and things like that, you'd, mm. you'd be like, probably statistically, it's the highest, but I, 
always feel like you give the inner city, like you give the perception of the inner city, you make that worse than what it is in terms of like, just a quick example here would mm. be, uh, do you remember the RTE presenters had a Christmas, uh, party. A Christmas party and they broke, they breached COVID yeah. roads and things like that. So it was last Christmas gone. Did you ever, yeah, yeah. did you report that? No. Well, I didn't personally. But oh, right. Yeah. But then, and then we see a thing on Twitter. I seen a thing on your Twitter then about yeah. people in Dublin and city out partying. That was uh, a, during COVID and your state. Like, oh, was flats. Yeah, we won't name the flats, but there was a, a block of flats. They had an amp. And it was a bit of an opener. Yeah and, yeah, and you're like, oh, look at this fuckers while businesses are going out. And I'm like, all right, why report the inner city one yeah. and not so some big media company? Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Like, now you could say, I can't report everything. That's an, that's an yeah. easy answer for you to say, of course. But I think a huge media company over a couple of lads in a flat having a few bottles with a speaker. Or if you want to call it a rap, but it's not a rap. Yeah, I know. I think I know what you're talking about there, all right. Yeah, <laughs> you do. I suppose, look, I comment on plenty of things on Twitter and mm. I don't comment on plenty of other things on Twitter. Like everybody, I dip in and out of Twitter. Yeah, yeah but I you think you like, you have... Like people read your stuff and think it's to like it's a higher standard. Yeah. It's gospel. Mm. It's like the paper. People like read the paper and think gospel. Mm. If it's in the paper, it's real. And we're like agents, like because not everything is real in the paper. You know what I mean? Like, do you think the media cover crime, violent crime, drug crime more than the media like than it occupies in reality? Do you think it's more? And we're talking about the north inner city here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or okay. anywhere so, for that matter, really. Well, with the last well, no, question. Well, well, no, let's yeah. talk NRC. about there for the moment. Yeah, because NRC, I can yeah, kind of, that's how we related most. I can yeah. kind of explain some of this yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah, So, I did a broadcast course a few years ago, and even though I'm this long in journalism, um, I learned something which shocked me, and it was that 95% of news comes in to newsrooms from interested parties. OK, so you follow whatever the news of the day is. You, you spoke about that tragic incident at the beginning of the podcast about the scrambler, something yeah. like that might make news or whatever. But by and large, most of what is reported, be it on RTE or in newspapers, is actually coming in from interested parties. So be they politicians, police, whatever. So there's an agenda behind what's coming in is what you're saying. Well, in the north inner city, there is a huge amount of community and drugs, uh, you know, groups working with people with drug problems. Yeah. There's a huge amount of funding going into the north inner city. I'd say almost disproportionate for the size of the area. It's yeah. probably the most funded place in the country. And as a result, you have a lot of news coming back out of it. So a lot of the news that we report from the north inner city is generated from within the community groups themselves. And I can tell you from when I started off, reporting for the back in the, the days of the Herald and the evening press dinosaur. I was <laughs> up and down to the north inner city like a blue arse fly, mm. speaking to community groups, speaking to, you know, new projects that had got going, all of this. And from their point of view, they want the funding to continue. They believe there's a problem in the area that they can fix. And they because it's taxpayers money, that there be that is funding it all, they actually have an obligation to give back a little bit of information about how it's going or whether they need more funding or whether whatever. So a huge amount of news that comes out of the area is coming out of the area. 
Yeah, you know, I it's get not you, as if it's been generated by the media. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Like well, I know what the, you're saying. Like that fact. was sort of like a roundabout way about it. Like, but the like in terms of violent crime and drugs crime, mm. do you think it's covered more than it is in reality? Because I can tell you, I'm from the inner city. I can bet 99 percent of people can go through the inner city without being involved in violence and without being involved in drugs. But there's that one percent. But the, that's everywhere, you know. You get that in any city. You get that in any city. But like, it's yeah. made out like if if I. If I was from a middle or upper class area, right, and all I read was papers, mm. I would automatically think I am never walking the streets of the inner city. Mm. I'm definitely not going there flats because I'm going to be shot yeah. or I'm going to be stabbed or something's going to happen. That isn't the case. Like, I can tell you, I have, I've never had a problem in the inner city personally. I'm not, I can't speak for everybody. But like I said, 99% of people don't have that. Yeah, mm. but that one percent that is covered by the media is made out to be a lot worse than what it is. And I, and think, I think, sorry, go on. No, yeah, no, I, I think you agree to an extent. Mm. Well, I mean, I actually don't. I'm not at, that obsessed with the North Inner City we because are. I'm writing <laughs> about you are you, mm. exactly. Yeah. Well, we can only speak about what we know, Nicola. You know, so I'm writing about places all over the country. Yeah, yeah. I'm writing about places in Galway. Yeah, in the North, Cork, Sligo. West, like I am literally the Midlands. I am writing about communities and areas everywhere that are suffering from exactly the same problems. And I'm writing about the same things. They're just mm. a gang with a different accent or whatever, yeah. you know. And I'm writing about gangs in the UK. I'm writing about gangs. That, so I'm not actually that engaged with with that. But I understand yeah. where you're coming from, because every time that's what you're hearing. Yeah. Mm. And that's what we see, like, because like people, like I said, people are oblivious to reality. Like, yeah. mm. like middle to upper class people, I'll give you a couple of examples. Well, I can't, I'll give you an example. Mm. It's like, if I'm out, so me and Calvin, when we first met, we were actually talking about making the podcast, we went for a coffee. Where were we? Where was that place when we went swimming? Black Rock. Out in Black Rock, right? And we went in to get a coffee, right? And this is just one quick example. I'm in a tracksuit. I talk the way I talk and whatever, I'm a bit loud and whatever. I don't really have an education. These don't know that though, yeah? But you can tell by the tracksuit and where I'm, and the way I'm talking, where I'm from. I remember saying to Calvin, yeah, grab us a cappuccino there, whatever, and I was talking to him. And a woman beside me grabbed her handbag automatically, pulled her in tighter, and moved to the other side of the room. Now, I started, I wasn't going to say, what are you doing that for? But I remember thinking in my head, I know for a fact that people from middle to upper class areas have this automatic thing in their head mm. that everybody in a tracksuit with this accent is involved in crime, drugs. Or so that's what I wanted to say. So I think that, crime journalism and how they report has put this perception and made it socially acceptable for people to degrade areas mm. and be like, well, if you talk like that and you dress like that, you're a scumbag. And we done a piece with the journal a few weeks ago mm. about how our areas being gentrified and the people who are brought up and have made these areas are being pushed out. And people just, you can tell the only, it's a seven minute long video or something like that. You can tell someone only watched 30 seconds of it because the comments underneath that, like their accents, Incoherent, uh, incoherent accents. accents and I'm just like yeah. Jesus Christ how are we supposed to how are we ever going to stand their ground and back ourselves up and we're not even given a chance by how our accents sound so I think that how you report not just you in general I mean you as in crime journalists you've put this on society to be like well if you think they're scumbags that's okay but you see again you're reading the comment underneath yeah, the story. It's, it's, it's not from the actual. Writing. Well, I don't think any crime journalist is saying that people who speak a certain way are scumbags. I don't think 
Absolutely. But I think you'd be, we talk yeah. about being cancelled. You'd be cancelled if you came up I, with anything. But it's but a I disproportionate writing about these areas and how the crime is highlighted. So that's why we actually, this is what I found with this podcast, yeah. that the negatives in their area are highlighted and magnified. Mm. And what's not highlighted is a success. And this is the reason why we're constantly harping on about mm. the good that comes out of our area. Even now, Kelly Harrington, congratulations to her. She's going to be fighting for, minimum she's coming home with a bronze medal. Yeah, she could come home with a gold or a silver. And we will sing that from the rooftops. Horn and Emma Brennan are from our area and they're over in Tokyo representing their country now. And the reason why we keep going on about it is because we don't we feel like it's not covered enough. But sure it was top of the news this morning on RT. Yeah, it's the front of every newspaper. This morning, but we feel like it's outweighed by when a negative happens, mm. that gets blown up more than when a positive happens. And that's why we feel like that needs to be covered more, and that's why we will shout louder than the average person who I don't know, and in a community where maybe it's expected, if you had like a Roman community where it's expected for you to go on and medal in the Olympics or the mm. World Championships, we have a boxer here who's meddling constantly in World Champions meddling in the Olympics now meddling. We'll shout louder than them because we feel like we have to because we've been degraded, we've been pushed down, we've been oppressed in this area because of these kind of writings. Um, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, but I think what, what you're trying to say there is the misconception comes from the things that you always put mm. out there in terms of like I seen another thing that you put up I did a bit of research on you Nicola yeah, yeah. I had to I had to come but I heard but right. uh, seen the thing you, like you I don't think you realise how um, the effect the effect yeah. that you're watching because people look at you Nicola Tant the crime journalist she knows mm. everything yeah. when the you, accolades you have you're well respected in but that you industry respected, mm. you know and, and not even just in that industry I respect you for coming in here today fair <laughs> yeah. play to you, you know what I mean and I do appreciate you coming in but you, you put a thing up uh, in 2017 saying baffling the north in a city wins in a war for being safe and secure and like you need to understand that like people from middle to I don't want to keep saying that either but people mm. from middle to upper class people areas, from outside the area from outside that's what I should be saying will look at that tweet and go baffling uh, whatever, whatever and just like, automatically look down and on say it. that place is I a war zone I, I honestly don't even know what that was about from 2017 well we supposedly won the war to be in shape with JQ which is grand but I said to you Calvin I do a little look before I come in about oh, the kind of reporting yeah. that was about the north inner city and I did that yeah. oh. I did a little bit of research yeah. on it okay so over the last say two or three months yeah there have been stories about funding yeah. into the area 170 million government funding is going into the redevelopment of Smithfield and various yeah. other areas okay and that there was a lot of reporting on that there was a lot of reporting on Kelly Harrington mm. being from where she's from actually mm. there was about three or four major big articles about her that she was the pride of the north inner city mm. and this was now weeks ago so it's not necessarily not being done it's maybe that you don't see it. But do you think that that... So what, there was what, a, well, hang on a second. So, okay. there was a, so there was that, right? <laughs> then there's been a row between the North Inner City Task Force or Drugs Task Force or something and their funding. So that mm -hmm. was covered. And it was covered on the basis of how necessary it is. Okay? There's a, an individual being released who we won't mention by name. That got a lot of coverage. Um, being released from prison. And that brought it back into the coverage, back into the feud, which has, uh, you know, taken up a lot of, of, of crime coverage over the last... Too much. Over mm. the last six years. But not just because of the North Inner City. I mean, the feud coverage has been obviously a global yeah. uh, thing and has, has made its way into the coverage of sport, etc. 
And it's not only by the Irish media. It is an international story, legitimate one. Um, and then there was a story that was about a very tragic circumstances. A mother had died and the children were left. And the story was how the community had come together to raise money for these children. And that, you know, I mean, I thought they were pretty. It was a bit of an eye opening exercise for myself, actually, after mm -hmm. I told you I do it, because I actually thought the coverage was quite rounded from the area. Uh, I disagree. I completely disagree. And not not well, disagreeing just to disagree. What I'm like what we said a few minutes ago, the the bad in media will always outweigh the good. So when you talk about the north inner city being this violent place, this drug war zone, infested place, a war zone really is what the mm. media would tell you. When you talk about that, like people from other areas other than the inner city will see the Kelly Hyden and go fair play to her. And fair play to journalists for and important you know what, that probably and giving that like, Fair play to her for making it in that area. Like, oh my God, that's, that's a war zone she's in. That's what's always that's what, they, And the mm. perception. I can give you a personal example, Nicola. Someone only sent me a message before I come over here. Mm. And they said, they came from an affluent background. And they said, I feel like a snob now. Because when I used to drive through your area, I used to lock my doors. And I was like, that's crazy. Because like, I'm 27 years of age. I've never seen someone be tore out of a car. Mm. Like, you know? Like, the you not... Can you not see that? Look, I know it is having such a negative effect. It's it's not it's not actually educating people. It's probably making people more judgmental and having a prejudice as opposed to educating. So it's difficult for me because I'm not 100 percent sure exactly what stories you're talking about, exactly what newspapers you're talking about. I'm trying to defend All something that because like you're you're kind of throwing out generals. And I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to defend everything. I'm not here to defend yeah. everything. I've said to you that I don't agree with, you know, certain words being used and all. So you can only kind of do what you do yourself and do it as well as you can. And, you know, operate in different medium, be it audio or, you know, television or newspaper or whatever. Um, I do think that you're only hearing in a way the negative. Then you're hearing the negative. You're accusing the media of only, you know, projecting the negative. But I think you're only hearing the negative. I think you're ignoring the positive. No. And there, well, I, in that little example, no, no, I, no, gave I, you, I, I, I agree with you there's to an actually extent. quite a lot of positive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I agree well, let's with talk you to about the extent. coverage, right? Yeah. So if you want to talk about coverage, you, you mentioned the feud. Feud peaked in 2016 when yeah. it kicked off, right? Yeah. So also what happened in 2016 was the Euro Championships, yeah? Euro 2016, Ireland were over there. Mm -hmm. um, you gave me a statistic and you said the feud was on the front page of a newspaper yeah. for 57 days consecutively, yeah. right? Yeah. And I, my argument back to that was what, why they were in the wrong is Ireland's opening game of the Euros was against Sweden. Mm. It was a one-all draw. So our first point in that competition was, well, I won't say single-handedly, but the goal scorer was Wes Houlihan. Wes Houlihan is from Portland Row, born and raised in Dublin 1, working class hero. Mm. And I think that was completely overlooked. I the, guarantee you that was on the front page, at the back page. Probably the back page, but on the but front page saying it was on Yeah, I, I know what you mean. But I've also seen uh, sports persons on the front page for the right yeah. reasons. But well, they, at the odd time, they would, make, they would definitely, yeah. That would probably just be looked on as in, Wes Houlihan scored today against Sweden. And the next day then, it's another sports article, not highlighting the fact where he's from. Like he's a working class hero. Mm. He went. He played for these teams or whatever. You know what I mean. And the reason why he says that is because 
the media is quick to say when it's negative, it's Dublin's not in a city. Yeah. But when it's positive, and they it's not. And they drank the life over. Dublin's mm. not in a city. Do you know what I mean? And like, like I said there, I adjust the phone, the negative bit being on the front page for 56 days in a row. Like. Well, it wasn't my paper. Oh, no, and, no, uh, no, no, but I'm I, just saying. I, I know that that did get an enormous amount of coverage, but it was an enormous story on the national stage from a crime point of view. <laughs> the sports coverage of Wes Houlihan and sports co- coverage of Kelly Harrington makes it to the news pages when, you know, something like what happened last night happens, obviously. But by and large, sports coverage is kept within the sports pages. It's just by the very nature of the newspaper as such. But I mean, then you have TV and you have radio. I mean, I woke up this morning to Kelly Harrington being top of the news all day long. Mm. RTE were down in, in Portland Row. Mm. So Everybody was out last night covering the... Um, and I can guarantee you, when there's a homecoming, It'll be yeah. top of the and, news. And, and what we're saying is rightly so. Yeah. But uh, like I said, if this is something that we'll shout louder for. Mm. Yeah, well, of course, because we're from there. And, yeah, yeah, it, it makes sense. It's because we've been constantly highlighted for the negatives mm. than the positives. So we have to make it a positive shine brighter. Mm. So, Nicola, do you, do you think we're mad here and that we're just Dublin's North Inner City proud and we're just trying to justify things? Or do you actually see that there is you can say no I'll disagree with you but do you not believe that like the, the there's a disproportionate uh, reporting on the inner city with crime a disproportionate I don't know I mean I don't know actually how to answer that because hmm. I, I, I haven't you'd need to properly look, look at that it. to yeah. see if yeah. it is disproportionate Um, like I could Name another handful of places that I write about all the time or or do stuff on all the time as well. So I don't know whether it's disproportionate. But I have to say as well, because we're going into the technicalities in a way about stories and media and front pages and back pages and all that. But maybe what's more important is that you're talking about good news stories, good news stories, good news stories. In the end of the day, media, newspapers, for example, are businesses with shareholders. Yeah, okay? exactly. And that's the problem But that's what we they have. are. But it's not a problem. That's what they are. Yeah, it is a problem. They're though. a business with shareholders. Yeah. So they are trying to make money. So that's what they are. While there is, there is a kind of a, you know, they are part of the state, the media, as in it is there for a reason. It still is a commercial entity. Mm, we all yeah, are. But that, for RTE, which we all pay for. Yeah. That's why it is a problem, though, because the media will only write about the things that sell. You don't see the media writing about white collar crime. You don't see them writing about tax evasion. Yeah. But they know violence, drug, sells. It sells in the that's, paper. That is 100%. Of course it does. And they're not, they're not going to... You would not have any product in the world that you would put out to a consumer that didn't want it. You would not make it okay to highlight it and keep highlighting it. Yeah. (laughs) You make sense of everything you're saying. Obviously, you're going to come in, you're going to have answers. I just can't comprehend the fact (laughs) that you think the inner city got a fair shake in the media. I didn't quite say that they get a fair shake in the media. You said it sort of rounds up. No, I'm just saying what I looked back on over the last two months. Right. That that's the kind of stories I saw. So I saw a variety of stories. Mm. I didn't just see crime stories. I want to go back with you 
to the comments being made mm. under stories. Mm. So you're getting your media on, some people get it on Facebook, some people get it on Twitter or whatever. Uh, Insta Instagram? No, that's a bit dinosaur of me to say. Don't get your media on Instagram. But, you know, you're getting your media. Like, I mean, I know we disabled a lot of the comments yeah. on our stuff because they were so bad. But not only about the North Inner City, they were so bad about me. They were yeah. so bad about, I mean, horrendous stuff. Um, I have blocked people all the time. I don't, those comments, I think social media can be a really horrible place. hundred percent. And actually, yeah. when you look at the comments and I, so many people, I just say to them, don't look at those comments, mm. ignore them. Mm. Don't give it the time in your head to be looking at them because that's where the nastiness is. And as a reader, I'm sure you're forgetting what you read and all you're seeing are these bloody comments well, saying to you what is in your yeah. head. But anyway, this is why I said I, I feel like it stems from what they're reading. They get this perception and they feel like, oh, this is the narrative that's going on. So this must be true. And the thing about that is that fuck that spreads out and it falls into industries. And even like dealing with the Garda, dealing with the Garda is a nightmare mm. for someone like us. Nicola, honestly, like I said to you at the start, I'm technically now the Garda because I've had all the cases with them, but I'm, I'm not criminal, no mm. uh, criminal record. But I get stopped from walking down the road because how I dress, I'm wearing a tracksuit, how I sound. And that, I get real pissed did, off about didn't it. didn't just mm. come from thin air. So yeah. the, mm. the reason why this comes is We're being profiled. Mm. And I, it definitely is because of the media. And the thing about it is, if someone is stopping you and they're being a certain way with you, it is frustrating. So obviously I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to be like, well, what are you doing? And I'm going to give them hassle back mm. if they're hassling me. And it's just, it's horrible to deal with. But I feel like it's, from what they're reading, you know, it's from, mm. this is the perception. If a young fellow is wearing a tracksuit and he sounds like this and he has a new phone or he's in this kind of car, more than likely he's a criminal. Where, the way I look at it is, I work hard for everything that I have. Mm. Yeah, I'm just a product of my environment. Yeah, I like flashy material things. Most young fellas stay in town. Doesn't make me a criminal. You know what I mean? And mm. the real reason, right, Nicola, well, I wouldn't say the real reason, the main reason we were critical of you and I have a chip on my shoulders. I heard you on a different podcast and you made a comment about people in their early 20s going on big holidays and you're like, how can anyone that age for this? You think their parents were dot-com millionaires, mm. right? And you mentioned Vegas for McGregor fights. Mm. You mentioned the boy and you mentioned uh, the Far East in Thailand, right? And the reason why it really rubbed me up the wrong way was because i just come back from... Uh, McGregor fight in Vegas and my next holiday was a stop off for five days in Dubai and then two weeks in Thailand and I remember thinking like Jesus Christ if anyone listens to this and then checks my Instagram they're going to be like I wonder what he's selling but you have a job I have got a job so doesn't mean I don't sell. well technically I could still sell drugs how do you know I'm not just I'm not just uh, walking as a cover up for the drugs because I'm because when I am commenting on Young guys like that, and I think you know I'm mm. commenting on well, some of them work. the ones I'm not commenting on the ones who work. They're not the people I'm commenting on. In a million years, mm. I'm commenting course, on the guys. It's easy to mistake that. And I've had people say to me, geez, you're going away there, you're only back from there. What are you selling? Mm. And they're deadly serious. Mm. Deadly serious. What are you selling? Mm. You know what I mean? I should never have to be asked that question. What am I selling? If people know my background, know where I walk, know where I've came from, they'd know quite well what I do. 
But I still get that. And I get this. And I'm like, look at it. Fuck mm. it. It is what it is. And do you not believe that that misconception comes from statements and the like media. that? And the media. It has to be. That if you're in your 20s. I really, I honestly, I don't know whether that comes from the media. I don't know whether that comes from the media or do you not think the people see for themselves? Not that no, kind of thing. Genuinely I do. Think. I think people in communities can see for themselves what is the spend is going on from from kids who are selling drugs. I think people can see that. They don't honestly think they need me to tell them that. But I feel like you're kind of glamorizing that lifestyle. Mm. You're highlighting what they're doing more than the people are themselves. So like yeah, that thing about giving people nicknames, mm. like Mr. This or there, whatever. Like where what what's all that about? They don't call themselves that. They like well they probably do it as sometimes a joke do, as a joke. Yeah, sometimes I, they do call themselves. I think that. it's more comedic, as ah. in like, oh look at me, I'm such and such now. Yeah. But it stemmed from what you've wrote about them in the paper. Well, usually that they the nicknames are their own. Sometimes, sometimes there were nicknames given because you criminals. can't mention the name. You can't the name them. Yeah, but you can't name them because they could sue you. Yeah, mm. of course. And because they didn't have convictions. So that's why, I mean, there's a particular criminal at the moment and everybody just refers to him as Mr. Big. I don't know exactly where that name came from. It's not hardly rocket science, Mr. Big. Like, it's <laughs> like, most of the names are just silly, really, you know what I mean? But it's purely for the reason that, you know, you'd be shut down, mm. you'd be cancelled. So do you not think that gives you a kind of safety net to say whatever you want about someone if you refer to them as that nickname, but everyone knows who you're talking about then? Um, you kind of take the liability away of like, well, I can say what I want about Mr. Big. That would be the plan, but it doesn't quite work like that because you just still have to be careful and you still have to operate between what, you know, mm. within the realms of what you do know about them. Yeah, but then that kind of stems back to what we said. And you'll even see with the Mr. Big thing or whatever, if you look at the language, you'll even see the alleg alleged... Alleged yeah. just because it's not but you're, still, you're still putting her out there. Or, you know, putting what, like, the... A bullseye uh, on someone's chest. Yeah, like, oh, oh, have I said that? Like, Terence alleged uh, to go and shoot somebody. Like, I'm still saying, like, you'd still look around and say, oh, Jesus, Terence is going to shoot someone. Terence alleged. Terence big balls. But I mean, <laughs> where we're going from that is that people, people take the media as gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know and what I mean? People, I like, people legit read the newspaper and say, no matter if it says alleged or it's rumoured, they just read it and go, that country, that, that and country. The But I don't it. think you guys are reading. I think you no, because are we don't need reading them, the comments after. No, 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 no. We've read enough. But you can't, to... you can't be, look, you guys are being defensive about Very certain Nicola. things. Because we've grown, grown up with your, this, Nicola. I know, but yeah. I can be defensive too about the media and you cannot criticise what you haven't read. No. If somebody came on here and said to you, your podcast is shite and they hadn't even listened to it, yeah. you'd be pissed off. I've got no, the bars we, that you've because we know. We know. Because you've worked hard on it and it's something that you are proud of. Yeah. And, and what you do is you are actually coming to the table as a media. You're complaining that there isn't enough positive news coming yeah. out of your own community but you've actually got up and done something about it and yeah, yeah. And, and the reason why we know there's not enough created positive created a forum for it because how's this this podcast has skyrocketed since episode mm. one and the reason the motive behind starting this podcast was to highlight the positives so there was a gap there in the market to highlight the positives yeah like we well, know that podcasting is a slightly different media anyway as you know from the kind of the original the mainstream media but what I'm saying to you is that I think you've done 
it's it's like, you know, I'm, I'm giving out that you're being defensive and I could be defensive mm. too, but actually you've done something about it and you've come to the table. You've created a forum where these positive stories can be told the way you want them told. Mm. But I think if you're going to be continuously critical about what's in the paper, you know, what has been reported, you should actually look and see what's been reported. But this is what I'm saying. Board. We, we have, and mm. we read enough of it to know what's going to come down the line again. Like that's so, exactly what we're saying when we say... If you read nine stories mm. in the paper, you know the tenth one, what it's going to be about, because it's going to be very similar to the other nine. And what I wanted to say there was, thank God newspapers are a dying medium. Mm. Because... I'm glad people are not going in and buying them because then they are under so much pressure to get what they're saying right and accurate instead of these glamorous headlines to grab, uh, to catch our attention. And I'm glad this podcast has took off and I'm glad mm. your podcast has taken off mm. as well because podcasting is the way forward. It's open form, uh, free platform for people to come on and listen and hear both sides of the story. Whereas before it was like, here's what's in the newspaper. Mm. Don't mind what the other crowd are saying. Exactly. You have to read what we're saying. So it's like monopolized. Now, I know there's different newspapers, so you can't say it's a monopoly, but I mean, it's a closed circuit there. Mm. Like, if and someone's written in the paper has, about me, yeah. how can yeah. I come out and defend myself then? You know, so I'm glad that that way of media and medium is dying out. And but that's just the packaging. It's not dying out. The media is not dying out. Well, as you said, no, 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 no. I mean... Them it's, establishments. It's getting drowned the, out. Oh, yeah. no, no, not at all. It's just mm. migrating online. Yeah, but how long has it took them to migrate online? It's 2021. Well, it takes it takes a long time. I think the first, some of the first ones to have properly migrated are the New York Times, who are obviously huge. Mm. The Irish Times have now migrated online. Their subscribers, their profits were doing very, very well over the last year. It is a little, it's basically like, if you think of your Coca-Cola, is it in the bottle or the can? So the actual newspaper is just, you know, it's just a way of 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 presenting it, but it'll all go online. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening but with think, media. So it's not going away. Yeah. Now, it's changing, it's evolving, and it's been evolving since I started in it. And part of that evolution, revolution perhaps, mm, definitely is revolution. the podcasting. Mm. And that is now... You know, you're you're choosing what you want to listen to. You're choosing what you want to hear. If you exactly. want to listen to positive news, mm. go to talking bollocks. Go to mm. talking bollocks. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think you know, these are being more. When it's online, you will be called out, and it's identified as clickbait. You know, like you might get a catchy headline, and people are like, oh, I'm not falling for that. They know people mm. are evolving, and they're realizing what this is. So I'm happy because then you have to change your way of how you pour an article out. Now, what well, yeah, you, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. journalists yeah, in general. Yeah. So they have to change how they, you evolve and you're learning as well. Mm. And I think that's going to benefit everybody going forward, how news is being reported. Mm -hmm. Especially now when everybody's reporting. Like anytime you go online, there's a new news establishment because it's so easy to write an article and put it online and publish it. Yeah, there's all sorts of citizen journalists out there yeah. and some of them are a bit dangerous, a bit wacky. But um, I think ultimately there will still be that safety net that the kind of established media will be the go-to places for a lot of people to get their news. And, you know, that's obviously what they have to be. And to be that, they have to constantly engage with various communities. I was saying to mm. you, Calvin, we have had meetings with the with traveller groups and they've been talking about some of the language they don't like in the paper. Yeah. So we've, we've stripped it out because they've come and they've spoken and they've said 
the reason we don't like this is because it offends us on this, this, this and level. And we've taken on board what they said and we've changed. And which is good. So we're constantly mm, yeah. changing. You're growing. And yeah, yeah, constantly. But you're that, you, you know, every day we learn something. Yeah, look, know, every day is a skill lay on talking bollocks. That's the aim. Yeah, yeah, that's why, that's like, we, yeah. like you're that's why we had to own Nicola. It's, yeah. it's not sitting here to sting you, Nicola. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we're not bringing you in here to go, you said this, you're a blame, blah, blah, blah. It's we're not trying bad. to learn. We're yeah. trying to learn where you're coming from and we want you to learn where we're coming from. Mm. And, and I does, think the fact like, that people are going to see Jesus, de- them three actually sent around to get on a podcast. You know, it's two worlds colliding. Like, yeah. Never in a million. If you said to me six months ago, you're gonna have Nicola Tam on your <laughs> podcast, I said f- I would have said fuck off. You're on something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely, Nicola. Honestly. Yeah. No, but it, it, it is like a sort of like when I heard Nicola Talent a few months ago, like you said, you're like Nicola Talent crime journalist, blah blah blah. But like this sort of humanizes you. Like you just mm. come in and just say, well, look, listen, it is a business, it is a job. Mm. You mm. have to put out something that sells. Mm. It all makes sense. Again, I think it's all glamorized and over exaggerated. Yeah, and the commercial aspect really does come out in it. And mm. an example I had, I heard it in the card the other day. I was listening to, I won't name the radio station, but the news come on and they refer to a gang as a criminal organization. Mm. And then when you refer to them, you refer to them as a cartel. And to me, mm. I'm like, well, a cartel sound, sounds more Hollywood. You think narcos, mm. Pablo Escobar, mm. global. Whereas criminal organization to me just sounds like a gang. Yeah. Yeah. And criminal organization is coming in. That is the word that's been used more and more and more. OCG, organized crime group. Yeah. And then the name on the front of it. And it's not only been used, it's an evolution that's happening within the guards because they are now using that in the court. So it's going into official. So that the, the likes of the cartel, that word that emerged Actually, at the time it emerged, there was a book, a really good book called The Cartel. I can't remember the author, but it was brilliant. Um, And that just fell into the language and started being used and being used and being used. That particular organization, I would rather refer to them as a mafia because that's what they are. But again, it's language. It's glamorization. Yeah. No, no, no. I, it's not glamorization. I, I, that's what they are. Uh, no, I get that, but it is still glamorized. I think so. It's like even cartel assassin and all. It's like most of the time that assassin is an addict who owes a few bob. Mm. You're going to whack him by me, shoot him by me, whatever you want to call it, or else whatever, whatever is going to happen to you. This whole thing of like the assassin and the cartel and the mafia is like, Fuck off, will you like, you know what I mean? Well, like, actually, funny that. enough, I've done a load of stuff and including two podcasts on who is behind, who are the assassins. Oh, here we go. Here's and that to that's make me look exactly what I have done is yeah. gone behind and found out who they were. Mm-hmm. And in particular, one group of them who were, there was homeless people, there was people with low IQ, there was addicts who owed money mm. and absolutely find out who they are, where they're coming from. And that's where the education bit comes into it. Yeah. You know, and I've spoken to community leaders about that. And, you know, actually, I was just pointing out that sometimes you're sitting in court and you're listening to this usually when it comes to sentencing and they're yeah, giving the little bits too of background then, yeah. and you're kind of throwing your eyes up to heaven a bit like, Jesus, I've heard this one before, you know, um, but we shouldn't do that. None of us should do that. We should listen to where they came from yeah. and why they found themselves you know, this is what we want to hear from Nicola Talent. Mm. You know Nicola, you've said that you've been, we had a phone call organizing Mm. this and when I got off the phone to you, the first thing I said was she's actually very uh, understanding of us and Mm. we talked about the amount of addicts on the case Mm. and how you were saying Mm. it's heartbreaking because these people are just left to the wayside. 
Mm. And we both agreed that they looked at as statistics rather than individuals. So this is why we need to change this going forward, like people's perceptions. When you look at a criminal in court, you need to realise they didn't get there overnight. You know, it it stems from somewhere. And I mean, I think that's why we all have to talk about it and we have to recognise that we're actually all responsible for it. I really believe that every single one of us is responsible for, you know, a kid coming up and they're usually kids who get involved in crime are usually from a home where there's problems. Trauma, yeah. And why aren't we reaching into that home and just stabilizing the environment for the child until like it's actually not a big, huge amount of life that they need to just be steered. No. You know, it's not, I'm not saying walk away when they're 16 or 18 or something like that, but there is actually just a small period of, of time in mm. a kid's life, growing up a teenager's life, that they become assholes because yeah. they all do, whether they're from underprivileged areas or super privileged areas. We've all been they're teenagers all and we'll all agree. Absolute assholes mm. for about five or six yeah. years. So <laughs> if you have somebody to just try and just get there, you yeah. through that. And, and the I science think, is there, like the ACEs system, mm, you know, mm. about uh, childhood trauma. And if yeah. you have so many ACEs, you're more likely to get down this road. So yeah. the, the proof is in the pudding. If you can intervene early on, yeah. And show people, that's why if you show them, look at there is this path here. But it, it doesn't help when these kids, Jordan, as you see in the paper, 18 year old spends 40 grand on a family holiday, and you're like, mm. what 18 year old spend? Like, I think that's fine. I don't think these kids are reading the papers. I don't think these kids no, but, are engaging with media at all. Media is the new age. Uh, social media, people see on social media. Mm-hmm. But, but I don't think they're seeing. Nicola Talent and what she would like to say about it. I think they're seeing, you know, their peers. They're seeing their people within their community. But you don't think that those that can go around. No, you don't think that if it's out can, there, it could if, go there. It's them. out yeah. there that it can go there. Like like be honest, mm. is any eighteen year old spending forty grand on the family holiday? One in one every fifty million. It's mm. I don't believe that's true for a second. That any eighteen year old is spending forty grand on a family holiday. None of them. And I think that's thrown out there. And then it is easy for anybody to hear that and say it to someone else. And that goes around, especially in underprivileged areas, when kids see the older lads or mm. see the youngflers who are selling drugs. And then it's easy to sort of go, well, at 18, there's youngflers out there spending 40 grand on a family holiday. Fuck that. When would I go and do a night to five? Mm. When I can just go on like to the Like a products of Aaron Burnham and be like, mm. be like materialistic things. Mm-hmm. You know? I am... Um, was interviewing a guy once who was very high up in an organized crime gang. And um, he was talking about how he started. And he had started by working for a very senior, uh, now very senior criminal figure. and started on, um, in the flats complex selling drugs when he was 15 or 16. Mm. Okay. And he was all bravado and tough about it all. And he was like, oh, yeah, I just wanted to know. I saw, well, he actually ended up telling me that he saw two options in life. One was to become a drug dealer or the other one was to become a drug addict. Mm. That's the only two options he saw in life. And when we went back a little bit, you find two alcoholic parents, kids that are thrown out of the flat during the day and night, locked out, nowhere to go, no one looking after them. Addiction rife in the family. Absolutely. And found his way in a sport, you know, 
and um, was very good at that, was able to handle himself, went into drug dealing and ended up chaotic as most of them, as most of it all ends, pretty much chaotic, most of it. You talk about one in 50 million, one in 50 million of them maybe make it to retirement. I don't know, but mm. it always goes chaotic. But I thought the saddest thing of all that was that he'd only seen two options in life. Yeah, mm. that's And I think, think that's that, yeah. why we all have to take responsibility for these kids in these areas and try and work out what it is to do. How do we show them there's other options than two in life? Mm. Start a you podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, but that, that is nearly the plan. With the pod- That's where it nearly started growing towards mm. because we mm. know the younger lads are listening. We know it's nice to, like none of, both of us are sober. Mm. You know what I mean? We're trying to put it out there that you know I have to drink. Like it's like an Irish bleeding nature. You have to drink. Mm. You yeah. have to drink with the boys when you're 15, 16. You see the boys doing drugs. You have to try it with them. You don't have to do any of that shit. Shame with, Drug taking and bleeding, mm. drug shelling and things. And you like see, that. I think when you go into the, when you get into the criminal system, the criminal justice system, whatever way it is, you go into it, whether you've been involved in some sort of a row or whatever, or you've held drugs for somebody, it's really difficult to get back out and to get back on the straight and narrow, and to come out of the system unscathed. I think it's really difficult. I think one little mistake and the rest of your life is nearly, you know, mm. drawn mm. out for you. Yeah. And I don't think they understand that. And I also don't think that young kids understand the type of world they're going into. I mean, it's well, all very well. Nobody's sitting them down educating them. Nobody's mm. sitting them down. And mm. like, are, maybe they're just not doing it the right way because I think there is a way of educating everybody. Mm. But you just have to go at it in a different way. But I mean, for me, when you look at the, you know, having 25 pairs of runners, I mean, do you really want to find yourself dead in the bloody pairs of pair of runners? Well, like, you know, are they worth that? Because I'm sure of more than 25 in the gap. But you know what I mean? If you make the decision that you will go into drug dealing because you want that pair of bloody runners, will they be worth it when you're lying dead? No. i tell you one you thing, know? there's plenty of other ways to get 25 pairs of runners. I agree with you. A hundred percent. You know, there is a course. Mm. And far and, and, no. and far, you know, more honorable ways or whatever. I mean, to earn an honest living is 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 a gift in itself. And to be able to lie in bed at night and not worry too much about what's coming at you or what you've done. Your or, shoulder, shoulder. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, does it take age to understand that? Because I mean, I think a lot of teenagers and no matter what area they're from, a lot of them are living like every day is the last yeah they don't give a shit yeah just but then it, you said it doesn't come with age but sometimes like some people make mistakes when they're teenagers 16 mm. 17 18 and like their mistakes stay with you with the system That's that we it. have That's you know it. and yeah we've discussed this we had Lim Rowan on a few weeks ago mm. when we discussed this like should someone who made a mistake when they're 16 still be paying for that mistake 24 years later when mm. they're settled down raising kids you know, you know, so maybe that needs to be looked at as well. There's lots of things that need to be looked mm. at and changed and evolved, like the media is, like we all are. I think, um, you know, what you need is as many voices at the table Definitely, as possible. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and what you were saying about the funding, like you were saying how it's highlighted about the funding in the NSE and mm. stuff like that. So my question would be, how can you throw so much money at a problem and it still be a problem? So the money's obviously going into the wrong areas they're not addressing the problem they're probably throwing money at to say well look we put 100 million into this last year we tried you know so maybe they need to 
approach it from a different you're angle. Probably, I think the biggest problem we have at the moment as a society is that we're trying to fight something that there's a huge demand for. Mm. Well, the war on drugs, there's, you're not, an, there's no, you're, that's not a war. You're not winning that. There that's is an insatiable fact. appetite for cocaine. And everybody is chaotically flapping about looking for answers to where it's causing the problems and how to stop this and how to stop that. But all the while, there are people out there, no doubt, tonight putting their hands in their pocket to mm. buy mm. 100 quid's worth of coke. But from all walks of life. Oh, uh, apps, the mm. middle classes are the biggest problem when it comes to that. Yeah. And they have this, I've said it before, it always just amazes me. Educated people who have a fundamental problem with eating a hamburger. Yeah. Because they can't tell which cow it came from. So it has to be organic or it has to be this. They're <laughs> vegans or something. And yet they go out and they will stuff coke up their nose. Off to a rusty coin. Yeah. And where it came from mm. doesn't bother them. Yeah. And who has been devastated all along the way. And I'm talking about from Venezuela all the way on the journey to, you know. The, the nostril. The nostril. <laughs> mm. Yes. John, Farm to fork. Yeah, basically. <laughs> John, their problem is, Nicola, they have too much money. Yeah. They have too much money. That's mm. the problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is that problem. And young people have a lot more money than they ever had. Mm. And they're willing to spend it on this. And Coke still has an image that it's cool. Mm. And well, it's never been tackled from yeah. a campaign point of view. No. In the same way other products have, like cigarettes and things like that. You know, people will always take cocaine. I'm not naive. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. They will always take it. Yeah. But you can attach a shame to it. Of course, yeah. Through marketing and through other... Does that even work, though? You know what I mean? Look, well, if you if you like a smoke and you go in, you see a smoke box with blade and someone's teeth on you, you don't give a rat's. Give me the John Blue. Do yeah, you know but some I mean? people some people won't, you know, and some people will think twice. Yeah. You said like the shame attached to it. You obviously, you know, like someone in the media when it comes out that they were costing it from coke and they're like, yeah. oh, shame, this, that, you know. Oh, now, I know this might be talk literal, but everyone does coke now. I know mm. we don't do it like so. It's not technically not 100%. Yeah. That's what I meant. We, yeah. uh, not 100%, but like everywhere you go, it's being done. Like, yeah. I think as a society. In every class as well. People, oh, yeah. people are holding on to it like, oh, that's, you don't be doing that, but everyone is doing it. So I think yeah. as soon as we start to accept that, like, it's going to be everywhere you go, it's there. Mm. And I've seen it. I've been at parties where people will open, openly sniff it. And then I've been at parties with people like, oh, no, I don't do that. Mm. And then you walk into the toilet and there you are hiding because they're doing a sniff. And they're like, Jesus, grow yeah. up. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? At least man up and say you're going into the one. Yeah. And then we yeah. can move on with life. That's, do you know what? It's actually funny. That's something that I've uh, often found a good judge of character. So you'd meet somebody and like the little icebreaker, like where you're from, blah, blah, blah. But it's not until you break down that barrier that like, Oh yeah, you do drugs, right? Let's move on with life, and you get comfortable with people then, because mm. I think that humanizes people more, mm. and people get comfortable around you. Then they're not hiding it. But I think as a society, we're still kind of holding on to the fact that some people are ashamed to do drugs. You should open up about it, and then we can address how are you abusing it, yeah. or is it a recreational thing? Mm. You do it two times a month or whatever, or have you genuinely got a problem? Mm. Like you can't go out for a drink without doing a sniff. And then we address that and then we get we get yeah, around the problem then. I agree with all that. I think we're actually a very particularly traumatized 
country. We are. We have a hangover, I think, from mm. the Catholic Church's grip on this country. I agree with you totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think we do. And I think parents and grandparents have had so much trauma. Yeah. And they've tried to parent with that trauma. Yeah. Definitely. And Definitely. it's come down all it's a generational, generational thing. Mm. You know? And then if you even And addiction the, is yeah. huge. Like it's speaking of addiction, the heroin epidemic, yeah. which absolutely yeah. crippled the city. And it's only when I'm with my ma at that and they'd see someone and they'd be like, see him. I used to hang around with him yeah. and his brother. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, yeah, grand. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, his brother overdosed when he was like 20. And you're like, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, like that was 30 odd years ago. Like that was nearly mm-hmm. a lifetime ago for him. Mm-hmm. And you only realize it then. You're like, that actually, the, the trauma that that would have instilled and the likes of your parents then. Yeah, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You'd be like, they're constantly going to funerals of somebody that they loved and grew up with and they'd consider a friend. And then they, like we, Everybody knows someone in town who has a family member who's 100%. It was yeah, affected yeah. by heroin. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. So It's a lot less now, but there's still yeah. people that I grew up with who was at the going down that road, which mm. is madness in this day and age. Mm. I think we're all the things we've learned since that since the heroin came in and crippled the city. I think but no I think it shows you it comes down from trauma then, as in nobody just decides to do heroin tomorrow. It's trauma. They've kind of been forced that way. And as I said... They're trying to we ha- Yeah, we have that trauma. But I, yeah. I think yeah. we're, we're slowly moving the, the meter in the right direction. I think we're a very open society in Ireland. I know some people might disagree, but I think if you look at the grand scheme of things, you go to some other countries that are more closed-minded than us. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong, some are probably more open-minded. But I think we're slowly getting there. And from being on the ground, being in these parties, being in society, talking to families, people are more accepting now than they were when... I'd say even 10 years ago. Yeah, and it's kind of coming in with mental illness as well. Yeah, it? people you know, are addressing all it. of that. So we're sort of all of a sudden not looking at it. You're looking at it with with sympathy. Mm. You're looking at somebody. Uh, and, and in instead addition. of shame. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Breaking the stigma. No, I think, yeah. Yeah. 100%. yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, look. There's <laughs> a jolly hair, Lily. I just the boys you swear. Yeah. <laughs> Am I looking fresh in that neck? And you're still chicken the legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, oh. they kill you out That's there. what I was only saying. Yeah. I was looking back at the YouTube videos of us. Yeah. And my legs constantly go. Mm. In every single look. I'm like, oh, I don't even feel that. Mm. Imagine but, your step count after this. <laughs> yeah. I'd say it's gone crazy. Yeah. 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 Nicola, it was actually, it was a pleasure to have you in, like, yeah. really, and I have a lot of respect for you for, for coming in. Yeah, Nicola. Even being so open with us. Mm. And most of it. Yeah. Most of it, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it was a pleasure. Talking no, to thanks you. for coming in. Um, like I said, this is gonna be mad. This, I think, this is it's a mad one. It is. I still, <laughs> I was saying it to the lads. So, when I rang, when your number was sent on to me, yeah. the first thing I said was, That's that's not whole. I was like, Who am I gonna be ringing hell? Like, yeah, this is a setup. And they said, You can't send that number to anybody. And I was like, All right, you're fucking serious. Yeah. So, when I rang you and you answered, I was like, is that number. It's going on Dundale yeah. after this. For an all Ireland ticket. Yeah. <laughs> Nicola Talent selling, selling a PlayStation 5. <laughs> but um, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I'm at the minute on the phone to fucking Nicola Talent for 45 minutes. And even on the way over, I was saying to Terence, I have a weird feeling. I never got this with a guest. I still can't believe this is going to happen because right. it's. It's just two worlds colliding, Nicola. It's nuts. Yeah. And so age. that's why we are so grateful and thankful that you come on. And uh, I don't know. I'm curious yeah, to were, see the reception open, of this. We're open and honest with us. And that, that's yeah. all we really, Like we said, we weren't coming into Sting. How would we be to Sting you? You know what I mean? Mm. We're two dopey countries <laughs> winging over the podcast. All right, sound, Terrence. Yeah, well, thanks. I am going to bring you down, yeah, me, me no. bollocks. 
But uh, yeah, mm. no, like like we only had some things to ask and things like that. We weren't trying to sting you. And look, listen, we got. I have a answer. question that Terence asked me to ask you. You want to know how much I would? Yeah, a few bobbins, anyways. <laughs> yeah, a few bobbins. At the end of a score. <laughs> yeah, we're going for a drink after this, Nicola. Yeah. Uh, listen, that's a wrap. And anyways, for this week, episode thirty-four, done and dusted. Boom. Take us out, Johnny. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app. What you waiting for? Put your back in it. Just a little more. Oh, yeah, we did it now. Fill your body again. Walk it hard and long. When you finish that. The hip knocker. Come down.